the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your favorite teams and leagues, The Athletic delivers everything you need in every sports story that matters. Download the app, follow those teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of ad free, exclusive content every single morning. Check it out today at theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Trinetti. Happy Football Monday. Bouncy week two. Not quite done yet. Packers, Lions tonight somehow. The Lions got some Monday night love. Aaron Rodgers gets a bounce back opportunity against a tough Lions defense. Injuries had to be the, the story of this week, too. Just to do a quick recap, it was a brutal early slate to Sunday's games. I, uh, I kind of did, did a positional breakdown tweet of, of players that we lost to injuries early on, and it was filling up the box, that's for sure. Tara Taylor, you know, to name a few, Fitzpatrick already out. There's a – look, it, it's going to happen every week. It's just the nature of the animal, and it's – early on like this is generally when we get the most injuries because guys aren't fully up to speed yet or um, there's a little bit of recklessness. Guys are amped up on the defensive side of the ball. There was a lot of scoring yesterday, though. A lot of points, a lot of fantasy love, a lot of DFS love. There was plenty to watch, that's for sure, including that Sunday night game where Lamar did Lamar things. And we'll get to quarterbacks and Lamar specifically at the back end of this show. Here's the plan real quick. Jason Luckenfor from CBS Sports did a really interesting piece uh, detailing the trials and tribulations that have been Chandler Jones and the Arizona Cardinals over the past year and a half. If you remember, he had 19 sacks in 2019, suffered a bicep injury last year, which held him down to five games, at which he had five sacks through those five games. And then, of course, week one this week, this year, five sacks out of the gate. So this is a polarizing player. He is north of 30. He is in an expiring year, and I'll break that, down that piece in a second and kind of get to it, but the point of wh- why I'm bringing this into the conversation today is I thought it was interesting reading this piece specifically and understanding where the Arizona Cardinals were coming from, and I tried to justify it with numbers, so that's what I've done. What, what I'm going to talk about quickly here in a minute is post-30 pay And I'm going to kind of lean towards the free agent side of this because it sure sounds like uh, by the end of reading this piece from Jason that Chandler Jones is headed for free agency in 2022. So he'll be 32, a 32-year-old edge rusher hitting free agency. So that kind of piqued my interest. Where does that land right now? Where where does that land maybe in the last five years? So I went back to 2015 and I got greedy and I went through every position and I kind of found... The, the best, the most guaranteed, fully guaranteed free agent contract since 2015 in every position group. And the numbers kind of bore out. So I want to kind of detail those, understand where things may, may be going in that regard, because Chandler Jones is a hell of a player, but I, I get it. And, and I'll detail that in a second. So Chandler Jones and 30 plus free agent spending positionally from a guarantee standpoint, to start things off here, back end, 
I kind of rolled that into, all right, well, where are we going then with the quarterback position specifically? Because we've got Aaron Rodgers heading towards 40. We've got Brady, you know, into his 40s. Breeze is out of the game now. Ben sure seems like he's out of the game now. Here's where I want to go with part two of this of this conversation. Lamar's going to get paid. Baker's probably going to get paid. Allen is paid. You know, Kyler looks like he's on track to get paid. Uh, Tua, who knows? Daniel Jones, who knows? Those are the young groups. And that's not going away. You know, that the rookie contract situation, that's going to be cyclical. But we have an interesting situation with the, the Matt Staffords of the world. Maybe even the Russell Wilsons of the world who are these younger 30s, you know, just past 30, still playing at a crazy high level. And in Stafford's case now, new team, fresh blood, you know, all the juice is on him right now. Derek Carr, same situation as Stafford, in my opinion, a little bit younger than Stafford. It's Carr's 30, Stafford's 33. But the, 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 the long story start here, what happens to these non Guaranteed Hall of Fame superstar, you know, next man up contracts. I expect Aaron Rodgers to take a next man up contract. That's what he's done his whole career. So whatever his value is, and I'll get to it in in a few minutes down the line here, whatever it is, I expect him to sign that contract. I don't know about Stafford, and I don't know about Carr, and I don't know about this next, you know, the second tier quarterback in their 30s. I've got some evidence to show maybe it's not the best to go huge on those contracts. I've got some evidence to show just keep paying, you know? I mean, is this quarterback position just going to be indefensible until you're 36, 37, until your body just breaks down like Ben's has? It's an interesting thought, right? How, How far do we continue to pay these quarterbacks who are above average, Stafford above average, Derek Carr, MVP candidate right now, you know, over Reaction City, but he was good last year. He's been good three out of four years. He's good right now, and he's only 30. Is he getting 45 a year? I don't think so. You know, that's certainly not what we haven't valued at. So second half of this conversation will be targeted on market values for quarterbacks as a whole. But specifically speaking, what do we do with these non-elites who are above average, but over 30? You know, are, are some teams just going to say, screw it, go back to the rookie pool, get on an entry-level contract, take your chance with somebody fresh? Or... Isn't the better move just to continue to pay these guys, even if it's a little bit north of where you want to be, because the rules are in their favor, the gameplay is in their favor, the anti-injury situation is in their favor. If they can play, pay them. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, today's episode is also brought to us by Balanced Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively, avoid those broker fees, and with no premium payments if you decide to pay it back early. Whether your client is under contract and simply needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest or make a purchase through next contract, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balance Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be your resource today. Visit balancedbridge.com. All right. As I mentioned, Jason Lockenfora from CBS Sports did a nice piece, really in-depth insider piece from the agent's perspective. Ethan Locke is Chandler Jones' agent, has been now for a while, has sort of been pushing the buttons down, 
you know, certainly making the phone calls, according to Jason here. And there was some steam after that 2019 season, as you might think. Guy has 19 and a half sacks. Yes, he's pushing 30, but he has a monster year like that. There's a couple years left in his contract. I believe there were two at that time at the end of that season, which is a good time to start thinking extension. Generally, I'd say 85% of the time, with two years left after a season like that, everybody's more than willing to sit down. Especially, you know, age 30s, a red flag at that point. But with that kind of production, you just, you just, I think you look the other way. So the fact that Arizona apparently agreed to a conversation at that point and then basically ghosted <laughs> Chandler Jones and his agent and said, you know, never mind. You know, we're not going to show up. We're not going to sit down with this. We're done with it. Well, let's just discuss that quickly. Guy is 30. There's a lot of youth on that defense at that point in time. They were just figuring out the quarterbacks. They had just gone through quarterback hell. Let's be frank. It was just Josh Rosen becoming Kyler Murray. There was a lot going on internally on the offensive side of the ball that was probably dominating their time, their effort, and their finances. Let's be perfectly frank about that. They spent you know, $10 million or so to let Josh Rosen walk into the sunlight there. So... My guess is they were preoccupied and, you know, it's the Joe Flacco syndrome. You don't really want to pay the guy after he just had the best, you know, a Hall of Fame type season. Joe Flacco bet on himself, wins the Super Bowl in an expiring year of his rookie contract. They got to pay him $120 million to keep him. So everything was against Arizona at that point, except for the fact that they had a really good edge rusher who was finding a way to get to the quarterback later in his career, right? maybe a little bit past his prime years, he figured it out. They had the right arsenal. They had the right scheme in place. It was working for him. And it was working last year, by the way, as well, before that biceps injury. It was not going to be 19 and a half sacks. That's unheard of to ask for back-to-back seasons. But it's not like he fell off a cliff. He got injured. So the fact that Arizona didn't sit down with, with Ethan Locke and Chandler Jones after 2019 is, to me, it's, it's interesting. Because I've been pushing this narrative for a bit now that I don't know when the edge defender is going to burst, that financial bubble is going to burst. You know, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, they're pushing it. Nick Bosa's next. They're pushing it. This, I mean, this number is going to be TJ Watt just got himself upwards of 28 a year. He's injured now, too. I guess my point is that you're paying for a very small window of production at that level. And then you can have good, consistent, above-average production. But giving a guy a six-year contract at $28 million per with $100 million guaranteed, I don't know where that fits in, in the non-quarterback positional era. I don't. I, you can't tell me a wide receiver's worth that when you need three, when you need two all the time, three most of the time. And when you're talking injuries and long seasons, you need four and five just to get through the, you know, the 17 games at this point. So you can't tell me that $100 million guaranteed on a wide receiver is well-invested. You can't tell me $90 million for Zeke Elliott's well-invested. And I can't even get there with the edge rusher anymore because we're, we're falling into the same category. We're falling into a situation where it's we need a guy on each side. We need somebody to cover the de- defensive line. And in a 4-3, obviously be able to carry both, both the left and the right side. And they're moving all over the place. 
that's just the way it goes. Everything's a modified hybrid system now. That's Rex Ryan's baby from forever ago. You can't just have one guy. Cleo Mack ain't winning games for that, those, that Bears team. He's not. I know what they gave up. I know what they paid for him. He's not winning games for that team right now. And Joey Bosa is not going to single-handedly win games for the Chargers. In fact, he was directly involved in the, in the fact that they lost that game Sunday. So I just don't think that these positions put enough emphasis on any single game or any single season to, to warrant near quarterback pay, which is where we're approaching. The edge defenders approaching 30. You know, certainly the wide receivers are approaching 30. We've got offensive linemen who are approaching 25 million. That one I, I can kind of see a little bit more because there's a direct correlation between their success and the quarterback's success. And you can say the same about a running back and a wide receiver, I guess, but they are the beneficiary of a good quarterback, of a well, well blocked for quarterback. So to me, it's, it's slipping away a little bit more. It's slipping away and it's a passing league. Quarterbacks are learning how to throw the ball quicker. It's all about release points, all about release timelines. That, that's a, that goes against the ability to rush, rush from the edge. In fact, you're looking for guys who are more versatile. Is Bobby Wagner as valuable as Khalil Mack right now? It's arguable. It's certainly arguable. Um, but from a financial standpoint, from a play standpoint, from a, from a snap-to-snap standpoint, I think the secondary, I think a good, experienced well-paid secondary is going to rule the day right now. Or, you know, lightning in a bottle, young rookie contract secondary, of course. I just wonder where we're going with this position specifically because the fact that Arizona basically just turned their head away from that season, from 19 and a half sacks and a healthy Chandler Jones approaching 31 years old is extremely telling because look at what they've done since. They drafted an off-ball linebacker to replace one they already had, even though he's still on the roster, Jordan Hicks. They signed J.J. Watt, who's 32 at the time, to two years, 28 million, 23 guaranteed. So they were willing to put some guaranteed dollars into that position, into that edge rusher, even at age. J.J. Watt was actually 31 at the time of that contract. Um, point being, I don't think age was a huge factor. I don't think... Production was a huge problem, obviously, coming off of 19 and a half sacks that offseason. And I don't think injury history was a problem with Chandler Jones at that point. I think the problem was he wanted a quarterback contract. You know, he wanted his five-year at $18 million per at that point. He's on a $16.5 million contract now. He wanted a raise. He wanted, you know, 18 to $20 million per year after 2019, after a huge season, and he wanted a multi-year guarantee. He wanted a big-time contract. The fact that they went with basically, you know, a, a comparable production player in bringing in Watt, they let Patrick Peterson walk out of his free agent contract. They didn't want to give him another four or five year contract. And the same goes for Chandler Jones. They don't want to do long term multi year contracts. This is, I think the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Kime are actually going the route that I've been begging this league to go, which is just stop. Stop fitting into the cookie jar, into the cookie cutter situation. You don't have to continue to tack on four or five year contracts. It's just not the way it has to go anymore. You want to give one five year contract to extend off the rookie contract? Perfect. Perfect. I'm all for guys getting their second contracts as big 
as long, as potent as possible because it carries them through their prime years. Now, it's probably not good financial sense for some of these players to do that. It's good for the team. You know, you want to be able to, you want the back end of that contract to be in the prime year of that player so that you're paying, for instance, you know, Derek Carr right now is in the is nearing the end of his second contract with the Raiders. He's throwing for 400 yards a game and he's making about 19 mil. So, you know, that's the sweet spot for the Raiders right now from a cash flow standpoint. It's good stuff. That's what the teams have always benefited on. And it's just been commonplace then to tack on another five-year contract if the player's still worth your time and money and build in a ton of fluff to that fourth, really the third, the fourth, the fifth years of that extension. Arizona just said no to that. They said, no, no, no. We want to run this thing out. We want to run the current five-year contract out. You're going to make yourself $82.5 million. And we'll go from there, whether it's a franchise tag, whether it's a two-year contract. You can go and find a bad team that wants to give you five years at that point if you want to go that route. And I've got proof to say that's exactly what happens to most players. Or you can trim it down. We can be a little bit smarter with this financially. We can use void years now, J.J. Watt, everybody else in the league. And we can make it look like a five-year contract from a cap perspective, but we don't necessarily have to build in all those years and fluff that we used to do. We're not do- We're done doing that. Let's be realistic about this. You're 31, going on 32. You've got you had an, a great year, an injury year, and it looks like you're back and back right now in week one. If they if they start negotiating, and it's probably too far gone at this point, I would I would imagine the relationship is broken, and free agency is the only option. But if that but if that's what was brought to the table, like look, you know we're not doing four, we're not doing five. If you want you want a multi year you know control then we're not the team for you. Also, this isn't the league for you because nobody's getting four years guaranteed, right? It's two years at most, especially at this age. So stop stop asking for something that's unrealistic anyway. A five-year contract's a two-year guarantee right now at that age. It's just a fact. I love the J.J. Watt contract for this. I love it. I love that this appears to be where Arizona is headed. They don't want to build in fluff deals. They want to be able to control their destiny and they want to give players the option to control their own destiny. That's the right approach with this league. It's the perfect approach. We shouldn't have to get into a situation where somebody's demand or Xavier Howard is demanding a, a nickel and dime restructure or get me the hell out of Miami. It shouldn't get to that point. Don't sign the five-year contract if they're worried about it being inval- you know, devalued a year and a half into it. Don't sign that deal. Bet on yourself. Sign a two-year extension fully guaranteed you know be realistic let them move some cap around with the back back years if they need to just don't get yourself locked into a situation you you shouldn't and arizona i believe from their standpoint has basically cut off ties with that that entire idea i love it i think it's phenomenal by the way tampa bay is operating in the exact same situation right now now they're not a dead cap team so they were never going to build in fluff to anybody but tom brady's moniker has come to tampa bay Look at Shaq Barrett's deal. Look at Levante David's deal. Look at JPB's P's deal. It, it's Fournette's deal. It's just what, what, what they're doing now in this league. The good teams are getting in and getting out with their contracts. Arizona's starting to operate like that right now. Maybe a year before, they're going to be really good. You know, there's a chance 2022 is really their year in that NFC. So I think this is a an ugly situation for a good player who had a great year two years ago, 
a tough year last year with the injury and is right back at it. It's certainly shown he is worth, you know, multi-year guarantee. But stop stop asking for it to be a four or five-year extension. Those days are done. They're done. Here's the list of players. Here's the top free agent edge rusher contracts over the past few seasons. Okay? And I'll give you the age. Olivia Vernon with the Giants in 2016. He was 25 years old. He got 40 and a half guaranteed. They were out of that deal before they even freaking signed the, you know, before the ink dried on that. Calais Campbell, four years, 60 million in 2017. He was 30 years old. He got 30 million guaranteed on the free agent market. So two for 30. Let's be realistic. He was traded to Baltimore for a fifth round pick a couple years after that. Trey Flowers was 25, got 40 million guaranteed on a five-year contract in 2019. It's been tough sledding for Trey Flowers on that deal. Bad team, overpaid in free agency for an edge rusher. Dante Fowler, 23 million guaranteed in 2020 to the Atlanta Falcons. A bad defense trying to get better. He was only 25 at that point. And he got 23 million guaranteed on the free agent market. Bud Dupree was 28 coming off an injury. Got 33 million guaranteed. Trey Hendrickson was 26, not coming off an injury. Got 16 million guaranteed in Cincinnati. Carl Lawson, 25, 30 million guaranteed. Matt Judon, 28, 30 million guaranteed. You see where I'm going with this. Even if he hits this open market, and especially if he hits this open market at 32 years old next February, J.J. Watt's contract is going to be best case scenario. Best case scenario. Two for 28, 23 million guaranteed. That's the market. Justin Houston did this at age 30 a couple years ago with Indy. It's just where we're going. Melvin Ingram just got $8 million from the Pittsburgh Steelers after waiting it out all offseason. It's not a good look to hit the open market right now. If your team likes you, you got to be realistic about what's happening right now in this league. Okay. If you're not 24 and a, and a top five pick in the, in the draft, you're probably not getting 30 million a year. You're just not. Okay. TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, the, you know, Miles Garrett. Those are the anomalies right now. It's a very quarterback like structure. The second they hit the open market, they're dead. Everything drops two years in, in, total, in total contract length and 20 million in, in guaranteed money. If you think you're getting four-year contract with close to 50 million guaranteed, you're not. Okay. Nobody's gotten 40 million guaranteed since Trey, Trey Flowers in 2019. And I don't think anybody in the league likes that contract. Nobody, except for Trey Flowers. So it's tough sledding right now, especially if you're north of 30. Let's move down the list a little bit here. I got my notes in front of me. All right. Here's where we are. I mentioned, you know, at the top here that I was going to kind of break down every position from a free agent standpoint, when you're over 30 years old. I went back to 2015. I went through every position. I sorted by age. And I looked for the player who had the most guaranteed money at signing over 30 years old in that 2015 to 2021, excuse me, 2021 free agent period. Quarterback, obvious. Tom Brady, 42 years old, got 50 million from Tampa Bay. Number two in that list, I had to give a number two in this one. 2019, Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles was 30, got 45 million guaranteed from Jacksonville. They sent him to Chicago as quickly as absolute possible. 
injury, tough situation. Bad team overpaid for a quarterback in free agency. Tampa Bay, good team overpaid for a quarterback who never hits the free agent market. Fine. Let's continue. Oh, the Jets. The Jets gave Matt Forte $9 million guaranteed in 2016 on a free agent contract. Matt Forte was 30 at the time. That's the highest guaranteed valued contract for a plus 30 running back in the past six off seasons, 9 million. That is tied with tight ends for the lowest. Jimmy Graham, <laughs> those Chicago Bears, gave Jimmy Graham 9 million guaranteed in 2018. He was 31 years old at the time. I can't say it's the worst contract ever. All right, the fact that there's a no trade clause, that he got that upfront guarantee at the time was bonkers. It has sort of worked out. Um, edge rusher, it's JJ. It's obviously JJ. So you know that rounds out that conversation. It was a good deal for JJ. It, it was a nice deal for Arizona because it wasn't five for ninety. It was two for twenty three. You know, it's the right it's the right approach. It gets real funny down the line a little bit here. Okay, so if we're talking wide receivers, we go back to New York. It's the Giants this time in 2019. Golden Tate was just over 30 years old. They gave him almost almost 23 million guaranteed. Fight with the coach, suspension, uh, it, just bonkers how how quickly that turned into into a negative. But he he got himself 23 million guaranteed there. The offensive line just happened. Trent Williams uh, uh, technically hit the free agent market before he signed back with San Francisco. 32 years old, he got 40 million guaranteed. That's going to be up there in terms of the higher guaranteed contracts for a you know a, a lower 30 player in this league. So it's something to watch. That's a position you do it to. Left tackle, quarterback, I guess edge rusher, but you know like I said, edge rushers have cut that in half at this point. If we if we go in order of most guarantees for a 30-plus player in free agency since 2015. It's obviously quarterback. Then it's left tackle, offensive line. Then it's wide receiver, Golden Tate. And right tied neck and neck with that is safety. The Denver Broncos gave Kareem Jackson $23 million as a 31-year-old in 2019. That's sort of in line with my other discussion, which is I think that's going to become a trend. You know, what happens to Stefan Gilmore? What happens to a couple of these safeties who are going to fall off of teams this offseason, off of bad teams who are rebuilding, they want cap casualties, they want to start things over again. It happens every year. We see eight to 10 teams really start do this every February. I think that's a market that's going to increase mightily. Certainly Jamal Adams helped. Certainly Marcus Lattimore helped, you know, the, the secondary situation. Jesse Bates is going to hit. There's a few more cornerbacks coming down the docket that are going to hit. I think this could be a situation where teams realize, look, we just I just said it with Patrick Peterson. Teams realize, I'm not going to give you a third contract, but I'm going to let you walk, and I think you're going to do just fine. I think they're right. I think cornerbacks and safeties are going to be able to hit the open market soon with a little bit more flexibility, versatility, and financial power. So that's something to look at, where the edge rusher might be declining. Certainly the defensive tackle has just fallen off a roof on, uh, in terms of free agent value. You know, tight ends and running backs have stabilized. You're getting four and a half to five million on average right now uh, if you're a good running back hitting the market. Wide receivers, I put them in the edge rusher conversation. It's something to watch. You know, Galladay took, took forever to get what he wanted. And 
Who's going to love that? I don't know. Is that just Golden Tate version 2.0 for that team for the Giants? But that was the most notable free agent to hit. Chris Godwin could be that player next year. Buyer beware is all I'm saying because I think if you're pushing north of thirty, you know, $25 million on a guarantee for a wide receiver or, edge, or an edge rusher right now, approaching 30 years old, which a lot of these guys will be at the end of their you know, six years of, t- of team control that you get off the rookie contract and a franchise tag. Buyer beware. That's all I'm saying. If you can get him at 27, do it. And there's really no trouble there. But the league is really crunching down to that age 30 mark, really crunching down financially. You know, the rookie wage scale is a very good thing for a lot of reasons, but it's a very bad thing for this reason. And I'm not saying that's a problem because many of these rookies can play. So it's better for the, the overall market of the game. It's better for the watchability of the game. But if you're 29, about to hit 30, if you were 30, about to hit 31, in Chandler Jones' case, you know, based on this article by Jason, I, I think there was a bit of an unrealistic approach to it. You know, I, my, the sense I take away from the piece is they went all, they were going all in, next man up, let's do this. Look at, look at what my guy just did, which is fine. That's always been what you're supposed to do, and maybe that's a good starting point. But for Arizona just to turn their cheek and ghost them from that point on, makes me think that's a laughable approach now at that age and even at that position, a position of power that can impact the game at least a little bit from a sack perspective. Just Let's let's just be careful with how much we're valuing that position right now because I have a feeling that the, you know, the little bit of research here, Jason's piece, et cetera, et cetera, this might not be just a fluky thing. This could be a trend. This could be a trend that the league is basically saying, look, that position requires so much speed now because of the quarterback's ability to get the ball out, the the short, quick passes that Patrick Mahomes does. I mean, freaking bubble screens to tight ends on that offense. Because of the way the game is going, because of the game play, getting younger, getting cheaper at the edge rest position might be the only way to keep up. They need speed and versatility at that spot. And if you're 31, 32, 33, you just may be looking on the outside in from there, from that point. So you know, J.J. Watt's realistic contract might be the right approach for a lot of these players. Get your money when you're 25 because at 29 and 30, it's looking uglier and uglier. All right, real quick, let's switch to the market values of these quarterbacks. I love doing this. I do this every week, just so you know. I, uh, I sit here and I go into our, our formula. We got a little piece of software that helps me run this formula and pick our players and our values and all that stuff. Um, and then the math does its thing and I have to kind of live with it because... We get new data every week. It kind of runs itself against. So, you know, early on in the season, I'll run this against 2019, 2020, and then anything we have in 2021. Once we get past like the trade deadline, I'll switch it so that things are only running off of 2020 and 2021 going forward. So it's a little bit more of that two years, two year span versus, you know, if, if, for instance, Chandler Jones, if Chandler Jones was built into 2019, but, you know, not 21, things would look a lot better for him. You know, things would look a lot better. So at some point in time during the season, I will take 2019 out of the equation, but it's still involved right now, especially with these quarterbacks. Here's how it looks right now from a hit, from just a market valuation standpoint based on our algorithm. Russell Wilson holds a $44 million valuation. And, and quite frankly, it's tempered just a little bit because he's 32. As I said in the open, I'm not sure I'm supposed to give a damn about that. Because as much of a, of a conversation as it is for edge rushers, for certainly for running backs, for wide receivers, for 
you know, I guess to some degree inside linebackers who require a lot of horizontal speed. I'm not sure that a 32-year-old quarterback is scaring anybody, anybody off. Tanhill did pretty well, with, you know, has done well since post-30 new team. Certainly Russell is showing he can still do it. His moon ball is going to be able to live forever, I think. But I don't know that I should devalue Russell for his age at, at all, at all. But $44 million as a 32-year-old projection, not shabby. So if he sticks with Seattle, you know, he's entering a situation where there's, there will be two years left in his contract. That's generally when Seattle likes to start to talk about things. The problem is he had some, some real issues with this organization this offseason publicly. So this might have to wait an entire season. And I understand why Russ doesn't want to because he's about to be 33, you know, by the end of the season which means we wait a whole other season. We're talking 34, 35. Now, Aaron Rodgers got $99 million fully guaranteed at signing at age 34. So as long as Russ is in MVP contention, he's going to get paid as long as he wants to go that route. I don't believe he should. Russell Wilson has made a hell of a lot of money in his career. He's a very marketable guy off the field. I'd love to see him go more of the Drew Brees, Tom Brady route where it doesn't have to be top, top of the market. It could be somewhere in that second tier and let's continue to move it, move it, move it every two years. Especially, by the way, if this is a guy who might want to leave this organization at some point in time. Yes, you can probably get traded at any point, anytime he wants to. He's that powerful. That he's at the right position certainly to do that. Um, let's just say he plays out next year. I think it's possible. He's got 24 million compensation next year. That's pretty good for second last year of your contract, 32 years old. Let's say the C Seattle makes him play it out. And then we're in the expiring year, pushing 34. If he's not happy with Seattle, he, he gets out at that point. And that's still tradable. You know, 27 million of compensation in that final year, still tradable. Or let's rip it up, let's redo it either way, new team or current team. At that point in time, you know, Lamar might be 44, Aaron Rodgers might be plus 40, you know, next off season somewhere else. He, he currently values at exactly $40 million. And I got to tell you, certainly week one didn't help, but 37, age 37 is a factor here. It has to be a factor. It has to be. So he's at 40 even. Lamar's at about 43 even right now. Baker Mayfield's about 35 flat right now. He's been at 35-ish really for the past two and a half seasons. Yes, he's improved. Yes, he's gotten more efficient. He just doesn't put up the numbers that warrant eyeball you know, financials in terms of a market valuation. If Cleveland thinks he's the guy, you got to pay him top of the market money. I don't, I don't expect Baker Mayfield to accept the $35 million contract, even though that's where statistically he falls in line. This is where it gets fun for me. Derek Carr values at $31 million. Matt Stafford's only about 30 and change right now. Stafford's had injuries. The, the touchdown production in Detroit was really low, as you might imagine. So when I put him up against even, even the younger crew, even the Goff, the Wentz, you know, that crew, and then Russ, he just, he's a, he's a tick under right now. He's a tick under. I expect that to change wholeheartedly over the next 15 weeks with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and a very good offensive line and a very good offense, period. He's got a real chance to promote himself up into 
where? And that's how I want to finish this show today. Where? Where does Matt Stafford go from here? An absolute business of Hall of Fame first ballot entry. Unanimous decision entry. Okay? He, he, his rookie contract came right before that rookie wage scale hit. He's already $246.5 million earned in the NFL. I mean, I mean, $60 million more than Russell Wilson, guys. It's crazy. He's going to make another $23 million next year if he does nothing on the last year of his contract. So we're talking almost two seventy through his existing contract. I don't expect that to happen because I think his offense is going to be good enough to warrant him a new contract next year. So what does that contract look like? If Derek Carr's 30 going on 31 and he's above average as a passer right now, he is. He's a top 10 quarterback, statistically speaking. Even if he doesn't win Derek Carr, I think they're a playoff team. So if they're a fringe playoff team and he doesn't win, I think all that matters at the end of the day. It's why some players do go next man up and some players don't even approach next man up. If Derek Carr made $25 million through this entire contract, he did, which at the time was up there. It was top three in terms of an annual average salary. So is that just where he needs to be? Like, like is he, if I'm telling you he's worth 31, which in the grand scheme of things, if you tack on Lamar, and I guess Baker by that point too. Thirty-one million a year is ninth, tenth, maybe eleventh with a couple new contracts. Okay. I, I, I think that's about right. Okay, I think I think that's about right. I, I I just don't know where. If I go back to when Derek Carr signed this that initial extension. Okay. $25 million a year put him second to Stafford. So it's funny that the two of them are kind of in this conversation together again. The timing of it just kind of added up. Derek Carr could very well be first here. I think if the Raiders rip off six in a row or go eight and one here, they're going to have to start thinking about locking him in. It's just the nature of how this animal works. Now, maybe they just wait till the offseason. They do have him under contract next year, like I said. So where do we go with this? If his first contract got him to number two overall back in 2017, what happens in 2022 when number two overall means $43.5 a, a year right now? Could be 44 after Lamar's done. What happens? Is Derek Carr really a $44 million player? I struggle with that. That's what's so fascinating to me about where we're headed with this position. There's going to be a gap. And, and, I, and I don't know that any player hitting, about to hit their third contract for Stafford, it's four, can really be considered for next man up. Realistically, you know, logically speaking, from a, from a hard cap standpoint, can you really put Carr and Stafford up in the, in the mid-40s right now? Or is that really going to be reserved for, and similar to what I just said with the edge rusher, is that going to be reserved for the 27-year-old who just paid his dues on his rookie contract and was drafted in the top 10, proved he's worth everything that, that's been handed to him? So if you're number seven overall, Josh Allen, if you had deficiencies, fix them, showed you're, you're willing to put in the work, you've taken your team to the postseason, 
right? Uh, kind of all the boxes have been checked on Josh Allen's resume, uh, not to mention he's dynamic, he's versatile, blah, blah, blah. Josh Allen, perfect candidate for the next man up. Now, he didn't surpass Mahomes. Mahomes has a Super Bowl. Mahomes has an MVP. Mahomes has a Super Bowl MVP. So there's, a, there's logic to that as well, to Allen bumping up against Mahomes. I just don't think we can do that. And certainly Dak is in a whole different you know, stratosphere. Paid his dues, paid his franchise tag dues, did get his team to the postseason, doesn't have the winning that Mahomes has. He's in Allen's category, got himself 40 a year, super strong guarantee. So where's Carr? Is, is Carr Deshaun Watson? I think so. I, I truly think so. But Deshaun Watson was signing his second contract. He was being extended out of a rookie contract into his rookie extension, got himself $39 million a year, you know, 110 guaranteed. So do we just do we just throw Derek Carr into this conversation? Is that also where we put Matt Stafford? Because Matt Stafford's playoff resume is worse than Deshaun Watson if we're if winning is part of the conversation. Now that could change this year, of course. But I'm fascinated by this. You know, Jared Goff was on a rookie extension. Kirk Cousins hit free agency and got $33 million a year. A little less than that, actually, on his first contract. This is contract number two. He got $28 million a year on his first free agent contract. That bumped up to $33 million a year. So is that the model? Do we have to look at Kirk Cousins, who was 30 when he hit the open market, did have a bunch of teams bidding for him, landed on a nice, short, and sweet fully guaranteed deal with Minnesota at $28 million a year in 2018. So if we cap adjust that, is that $32 million a year? Is that right for Derek Carr? It's basically where we have the market value. You know, a tad bit higher, which is generally how it goes this position anyway. So is that right? Do we have to treat these players in tier two as if they were about to hit the open market and, and we don't add on the prime year, you know, boost, which Allen got, which Lamar will get, which probably Baker will get at some point. He'll, he'll, he'll have done enough to get that. Certainly Kyler Murray is, is on li- in line to get something like that. He's already valuing close to $40 million a year right now in his young, young stages. I wonder if the Kirk Cousins situation has now become the model for the tier two contract. The, the player who is in contract number three or later, not the rookie extension, who's still playing at above average ta- you know, production, that's Carr now. That's Stafford now. But just, it doesn't make team financial sense to put that player on four years, $250 million. It just doesn't make sense, right? You know? I mean, somebody's about to hit 50. I don't think it should be this player. And I love Stafford. And I'm growing to love Carr, especially with, you know, his whole package on and off the field. So... These will be ones to watch. The Rams have always gone top of the bill. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. Even Brandon Cooks got a big payday before he left. Big payday. When will they start to dial it back a little bit? When will they start to act like a team that is a destination now? They've been a good team for a bunch of years. Their coach is somebody people want to come and play for. Their defense is, is somebody that an offensive player should want to be a part of. Right, that defense can can make offenses better. It's just how it works. 
So I think they need to start acting like a Patriots, an Eagles, who, a Saints, who had years and years of, of solid play. <clears throat> and their GM has basically said, this is what we do. And if you want to fit into our situation, you have to play by this rules, which is maybe a 15% off the top cut. Or we'll, we'll make everything shorter and we'll use some void years to make it work. That's not what the Rams are doing. Okay, that's not what the Rams are doing. The Rams are going big, boisterous, top-of-the-market contracts. And they're acquiring players as if they need them today. Right? They're overpaying in the trade market. They haven't been active in free agency too much. In fact, they've let a couple of good players walk in that regard. I wonder if they're turning that corner. And I wonder if Matt Stafford's going to have to settle for, you know, four years, $140 million. Would that be okay with people? Would $35 million a year for Matt Stafford be okay? And then $32 a year for Derek Carr? Would that be okay? I wonder. I really wonder. You know, the cap might be going way up. So if we're talking about percentage of cap, then that's nuts. You know, if the cap's going over 200 again, then 35 million a year is just probably not enough. It's 17 and a half, generally 18, 19, 20 is where you want to be. So if we're talking 20% of 200, you know, that's 40. Is that the second tier? Is Dax Prescott's contract going to be the second tier quarterback now going forward? It's fascinating. To me, it could be anywhere between 32 million and 40 million. And I'd have to live with it from a mathematical standpoint because I get where the league is going. I get where this position is going. And it's probably not good business for four guys to be at the top of the financial charts from a quarterback position, five guys to be somewhere around 80% of that, and then everybody else, like literally 19 quarterbacks, be under 15, 10 million a year, which is close to where we are right now. About half the league is under 10 million right now in terms of starting quarterbacks. I don't think that's good for the game. You know, a lot of teams are just are just deciding to favor favor downward versus upward. So I think these are two very important quarterback contracts, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, based on where it's trending. And I don't know that next man up is the right approach for him, but I don't know that taking 40 million is the right approach either. I wonder if they can they can both kind of normalize the situation a little bit, the Rams specifically. Can the Rams normalize this process a little bit and their own contractual process a little bit? and get some value out of Matt Stafford, like the Saints got with Breeze, certainly like Tampa Bay is getting with Brady, uh, and New England got with Brady for forever. So something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we'll keep valuing these every single week with the ups and downs and the ebbs and the flows, but these are the six or seven quarterbacks that I'm kind of watching right now, and that is available at the Market Value Tracker on SpotTrack.com. My thanks to The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get yourself 40% off. And of course, Balanced Bridge Funding. That's balancedbridge.com. Get yourself started for a financial payment plan today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 